Welcome to the Empathy Exchange podcast, the show dedicated to helping seniors care staff and residents' families build relational connections based on trust, respect, and understanding as partners in care. To work together in the shared goal of providing the best possible quality of life and care for people living in seniors care, your residents and loved ones. So if you work in seniors care or you're a family member, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Deborah Bakti. In creating this podcast, I wanted to really challenge myself to be able to serve the two audiences that I support, people who work in seniors care, and it could be at a leadership, corporate, direct care, frontline level, as well as the families who have loved ones now living as residents in seniors care, or perhaps you could be a family member who's thinking about the possibility at some point of moving a loved one into seniors care. The work that I do is really to help staff and families build trust, respect, and partnership right from the start. I want to share a bit about my background and how it relates to seniors care because it really speaks to why I do the work that I do. In 2006, I became an executive at a seniors care organization working at a VP level. And two years after I started in my career, all of a sudden I started my journey as a family member. My dad had already been diagnosed with Parkinson's, but he was getting progressively worse, and my mom was really struggling to take care of him at home. Even though she had some home care, and she also had the support of some community care, he was having numerous trips to emergency by ambulance, usually in the middle of the night. And if you're a family member who's dealt with this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. My dad had made my mom promise years previously to, in his words, never put me in an old folks home. And with me working in the business and trying to explain to my mom why this is likely going to be the next step, it was a bit of a tough sell. But as usually happens, the urgency of the situation then finally really forced her hand and then she needed to move my my dad into long-term care which she could say in hindsight was one of the best decisions that she made for both of them. I would say that probably my mom's decline in health over the next few years was a direct result of the amount of stress and strain that she was under with him. My dad moved into long-term care in 2011, where he lived for six months before passing away. During that time, my husband, Ty, we didn't really know the extent of the illness that was starting to emerge. And it was really an acute episode that occurred that ended him in hospital that delivered the devastating news that they weren't quite sure what it was that he had, but they could only label it as an unusual brain disorder. That started our journey through 27 different specialists and five hospitals in two or three cities over the next year and a half to two years to get a diagnosis of a very rare and incurable disease called Erdheim-Chester. And we were going through the gamut of acute care, home care, 
adult daycare, the community care supports. And it was when our case manager, we lived in Ontario, our case manager at the time said, there's no way that you can continue to take care of Ty at home. Our kids were 11 and 17 when he got sick, and he was, he was younger. He was 63. I think the gravity of the situation became so apparent that taking care of him at home was no longer sustainable. And remember, I worked in the industry, so I understood how it worked, but I felt blindsided when I was told that, yeah, now is the time to move your husband at 63 years of age into long-term care. What was really ironic and bizarre at the time was that my dad was living in one long-term care home at one end of the city, and I was moving my husband into a different long-term care home on the other end of the city. There was probably about three months or so where I had both my dad and my husband living in long-term care. So we moved Ty into long-term care in 2011, where he lived for four years until he passed away in 2015. My third experience being a family member was with my mom. It was a few years after my dad passed away, and my two brothers and I were really trying to convince her to consider selling her familial home, where she spent the last number of years with my dad, into an independent living home. And after much discussion, which probably took a couple of years, she finally agreed. And really, she downsized probably 70% of her belongings to move into a lovely independent living uh, suite. She lived there for about three years. And then we were told one day that the home could no longer take care of my mom. Her needs had increased to the extent that were really out of scope for them. So we had to find another home, which we did, that also offered assisted living. And my mom lived there, and her physical and her uh, mental acuity certainly decreased. And she would have likely been put on the wait list for long-term care had she not passed away in 2019. That probably sounds like a lot, and it was. And I know that there are people listening to this podcast that have gone through, are going through, or will about to be going through a similar kind of experience with a loved one that uh, requires a higher level of care. And that includes people who work in seniors care. There's a lot of staff that I've spoken to that also are family members. So while I was working in the business after Ty passed away, I found that there was all sorts of opportunities or requests for me to share what my experience was like as a customer. And there was a really transformational conversation, although I didn't see it that way at the time. It was probably three or four months after Ty had passed away. I was having dinner with a colleague. We were attending a conference. At the end of the dinner, she just out of the blue kind of asked me this question of, so what was it like the day that you moved Ty into long-term care? And I told her the story, how hard, how difficult, how heartbreaking it was. Also, how frustrating it was that the staff were running late and they just seemed really busy and preoccupied with other things. And quite frankly, 
I felt like we were being squeezed into an already busy day, and we were like these little widgets being processed on a production line on a day that I will never forget how it made me feel. And I just remember her looking at me, and her eyes were kind of starting to well up, and she just said, I feel so ashamed because we do that to our families every single day. And this is by no means a criticism or a knock against the seniors care industry. The work that I do is to help seniors care organizations and families to be better equipped on that ever important first day when they come together, because they are coming together and forging a new relationship as partners in care. Because here's the thing, staff and leaders in seniors care and families actually have a lot more in common than maybe we realize. They have a shared purpose. And that is both parties want the best possible quality of life and care for their loved one who is now a resident in that care home. And when we can remember that as we're coming together, because seniors care does the work and the families are wanting the service and the support of having the best quality of life and care. That's certainly what I wanted for Ty. It's not something that I ever envisioned or wanted, but we got to the point that we knew that he and his family, myself and our two kids, that's what we needed. And so sometimes I think we need to look at it as it may not be the ideal outcome in a suboptimal situation as life throws some curves at us. But when we can really step together in that common goal, it can make the world of difference. If you'd like to learn more about the work that I do in providing staff training, family training, or if you're also looking to redesign your admission process, you can find me at debrabakti.com. And you can email me at debra@debrabakti.com, and all that information will be in the show notes. I decided with this podcast to call it the Empathy Exchange. And what I I love about the name and the concept, and I really was inspired by when I'm out doing workshops or training with care team members as well as families, that a big part of the experience is sharing stories. And with stories, there's always more than one perspective. And so to be able to create this empathy exchange for staff with families as well as families with staff, that we want to be able to create this awareness and appreciation for both parts of this key relationship between staff and families. Families absolutely contribute to the culture and the health and well-being in a home, as do staff. Right? It's an ecosystem that starts to get developed within a care home that's running 24-7, 365, three shifts, and lots of people coming and going. When I think about empathy, I want to read a couple of excerpts from Brene Brown's latest book, Atlas of the Heart. Empathy, the most powerful tool of compassion, is an emotional skill set that allows us to understand what someone is experiencing and to reflect back that understanding. 
And she goes on to say, in simple terms, the empathy I'm talking about is understanding what someone is feeling, not feeling it for them. If someone is feeling lonely, empathy doesn't require us to feel lonely too, only to reach back into our own experience with loneliness so that we can understand and connect. Affective empathy, feeling something along with the person who is struggling, is a slippery slope toward becoming overwhelmed and not being able to offer meaningful support. And when I read that, I was reflecting on a call that I had with a group of care team staff, some direct care staff, and they had submitted um, a question or just something that they wanted to have some further discussion about. And what they wrote in was, a challenging aspect is trying to not let the admission emotions of families and residents take over your feelings. Some days feel heavy after an admission. If you're a family member listening to this, I don't know, you may feel a bit surprised that I had no idea that staff would feel so emotional about meeting new families. After all, they're moving residents and their families in every week. And yet, it can be a very emotional business because we're dealing with a really emotional and intense time. So there were five things that I offered to the staff to think about and reflect on to be able to help them remain empathetic, but not like, as Brene Brown talked about, that slippery slope toward becoming overwhelmed and not being able to offer meaningful support. So the first thing I said was, it's really important that you are able to define your role as it relates to meeting this new resident and family. What is your role in that moment, in that admission meeting conversation conference? And secondly, how can you contribute to their experience? They're going to be having an experience no matter what. How can you contribute some positive impacts in that experience that they're having? How can you help to perhaps lessen some of the stress and the worry that they're having and provide some assurance to them that you've got this and you're there for them? Third, know that this is their journey and you're a part of it, right? This is something, this is their experience and we can't always impact and influence everything about it and make the, the sadness or the worry or the anxiety go away, but you are a part of it. And just like when I think back to some of the more challenging moments while I was a resident's wife and the ones that can still bring a tear to my eye of appreciation and gratitude. It's because there was a staff member, a care team member who was a part of that experience and that journey. The fourth thing I said was, you want to be able to reset. And by that, I mean, before going in to meet with the family, whatever you were just dealing with, whatever conversations or stresses, or I don't know, maybe it was a, a bit of a disagreement with your a teenage daughter that morning before you drove to work is to be able to reset, take a deep breath and focus on your presence and being present in the moment. And then after the interaction with the family, to think about what went well, what went right, 
What do you think really mattered in that conversation? What kind of an impact were you wanting to make? And also to be thinking about as you're doing the reset, you're planting the seed. When I debrief this after the fact, what do I want to remember? And the fifth is believe in the family and their ability with your help to navigate this emotional journey. We are incredibly resilient people. We may not always feel it at the time. And to have that belief in them, also knowing that you're part of that support journey, to me, that's empathy in action. Another example of an empathy exchange that I got to be a part of was uh, speaking with a family member. She had just recently moved her aunt into long-term care. and say she's a bit on the younger side and had never experienced anything in seniors care before. So it was all new to her. She knew, as she said, I know nothing. I know zero. I don't know how this works. And it was just a whole overwhelming whirlwind of an experience. And the home had given her a copy of my second book, Now What? Managing the Emotional Journey of Long-Term Care for Families. And I had the opportunity to have a conversation with her. And she said, you know, I consider myself a pretty empathetic person. And I guess I should have realized this, but I didn't realize that the staff were grieving the loss of the resident who lived in the room that my aunt is now going to be moving into. Because in the Now What book I share with families, there's a lot that happens in the move-in admission process before you actually are showing up. And she just said, you know, I, I hadn't really thought of it that way. The staff are grieving. And when I think back to my admission day, even though I understood the business, I also wasn't thinking that it's possible these people that I'm meeting have lost a resident that they really grew to love and care for, that my husband is now going to be moving into that room, and there's a whole new relationship that needs to be established. With the work that I do, and I've been doing this work in the consulting and training and education for six years now, I do hear a lot of stories that don't go well when it creates friction and frustration in the relationship, which can then escalate to really intense and sometimes disproportionate reactions that move us away from that shared goal of the best quality of care and quality of life for the resident, the family's loved one. And that's why I'm doing this podcast, to create an empathy exchange as well as an educational and practical place for both staff and families to learn, share, and support each other with the tools that we'll cover. I've had some people say to me, it's kind of, you're taking a bit of a risk here wanting to do a podcast with two audiences. And yet from my vantage point, I quite frequently will hear a story from staff about maybe a family challenge or an opportunity to better build the relationship. And I could hear the same story from the family, but from their vantage point. And I just think it's really important and of value to bring everybody under the tent together, so to speak, and that there may be some things that I'm talking about that are more relevant for staff, but families really are interested and appreciate hearing how staff view things, as well as how staff view 
the challenges and the opportunities with families and the other way around. So in this podcast, over the next number of episodes, I'm going to be sharing resources from both of my books. The first book that I wrote is called Recipe for Empathy, Six Strategies to Transform Your Families into Fans and Seniors Care. And I wrote it as a resource for people working in seniors care, how to be able to really, as the title says, you know, create fans out of families and build that strong client, customer, family, partner and care relationship. And then the second book that I wrote is called Now What? Managing the Emotional Journey of Long-Term Care for Families. Because I wanted the families to have a playbook or a book that homes can give to families as part of that onboarding admission experience to be able to help equip and empower them in this new role, this new community that they probably don't know much, if anything, about to help being able to fortify that knowledge and uh, competency, uh, for lack of a better word. So you're going to hear some solo episodes like today's. And I'm also going to have some episodes with guests where we'll be sharing ideas, perspectives, and practical tips for both families and staff who want to work together on that shared goal of the best quality of life and care for the residents and families, loved ones. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about admission anxiety, which, let me tell you, it's a thing and how residents, families, and staff all can experience this admission anxiety. As well, I'm gonna be sharing the three gaps that when we're aware of them, we can reduce the admission anxiety and get a better start to this important experience and relationship between the care team members and the families. So if you're a family who has experienced admission anxiety, or maybe you haven't moved a loved one yet into long-term care or retirement or assisted living or memory care, and you're wondering how you can best prepare yourself, you're really going to enjoy that episode. And for staff, you know, we're gonna be talking about the different ways that staff experience admission anxiety and how you can be better preparing and equipping yourself. Thank you for spending your time with me here today. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. Until next time, remember, your power is in your presence. So make your presence matter. Mm-hmm.